From the depths of understanding, a flower of great eloquence blooms. The Bodhisattva stands majestically upon the Oh, 
Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, Thursday, the 26th of April, the year 2012, and, uh, and we are in the still water meditation hall, Upper Hamlet. This year we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Plum Village, Le Jour de Mai And uh, next, uh, in a few days, we will uh, start a retreat for French-speaking people. There will be about 800 people coming to practice with us during one week. And then uh, we shall have that retreat uh, in the month of June, from the 1st to the 21st, 21 day, on the theme of uh, the sciences of the Buddha. Many scientists will come and uh, participate in a retreat with us uh, to see whether Buddhism and science can go hand in hand uh, in this uh, century. It is also a celebration of the 30th anniversary of Plum Village. And then uh, after that we shall have uh, the summer opening 
there will be a lot of people representing about 50 or more countries. And uh, brothers and sisters in the community, they have prepared so that uh, uh, the summer opening will be an occasion when we can celebrate um, uh, the anniversary of uh, the 30th anniversary of Plum Village. When you come to Plum Village in uh, Tenak or in uh, Lubezpeknak, you think that this is Plum Village. But that is, that is not true because Plum Village is, is not Tenak. It's not only Tenak or Lubezpeknak. Plum Ridge has grown, and Plum Ridge is a little bit everywhere. So, uh, and Plum Ridge is in yourself also. So our idea of Plum Ridge may be a wrong idea. This is also a uh, subject of meditation. Where is Plum Ridge? You cannot say that it is in Tenak or Lubezbeknak. And you say, I am in Plum Ridge. That might be wrong. (laughs) Uh, In the Buddhist tradition, there are many schools of Buddhism. And one of them is the the school of meditation called Zen or Chan Buddhism. Or in Vietnamese, we call it Thien. Thien Tâm. And... uh, the scripture that is um, used extensively in this tradition is uh, called the Diamond Sutra. King Kim Kim In fact, the Diamond Sutra, its name is uh, the diamond that can cut through illusion. That is the real name of... Uh, of the sutra, the diamond that can cut through all illusions and bring us to the other shore, prasnya vajra jadika, prasnya paramita sutra. The diamond that can cut through all illusion and bring us to the other shore, the shore of enlightenment, the shore of no afflictions. So the Sanskrit name is uh, is like that, Vasra Chedika, Prasnya Paramita Sutra. And um, this uh, scripture is uh, studied extensively in every uh, temple belonging to the school of uh, meditation. And uh, we have uh, the text in our chanting book in English, in Vietnamese, in French, and so on. And in the Vajra Jedika Sutra, uh, we are advised to remove uh, a few notions that we have in our head. And the first notion is the, the notion of self. The second notion is the notion of man. The third notion is the notion of human beings, living beings. And the fifth is uh, the notion of uh, uh, 
of uh, lifespan. The Chinese word for cutting having the power to cut through Nang Duang. Because uh, the teaching and the practice of uh, the Diamond Sutra can can cut through to all illusion, delusion. The diamond is something. Diamond is something very hard. It can cut everything, but nothing can cut the diamond. So diamond here, uh, the diamond here represents the the mind, the wisdom, the deep vision that has the power to to remove wrong perceptions in us. And that is why uh, it's called Kim Kương Đăng Đoàn, the diamond that has the power to cut through illusion. And uh, Prasnya Paramita means uh, having the power to bring us to the other shore, the shore of uh, liberation, the shore of freedom. And the five, uh, the four ideas, the four notions that uh, the Diamond Sutra propose to us, propose, uh, uh, encourage us to remove, uh, is the notion of self. And then the notion of uh, man. and the notion of a living being. And then the notion of a life span, life span. We know that uh, we are all caught in a notion of self. We think that we are ourselves, and everything else is not us. That is a kind of notion that is born at the same time with us. There is a strong belief that there is a separate self. I am not you. And that is, that is your problem, it's not my problem. And that kind of distinction, that, that kind of discrimination between self and non-self has created a lot of suffering. And that is why it's very important that we can remove that, uh, that notion of self as a, a something can exist uh, separately from the rest. And this is this uh, requires a lot of uh, of effort, meditation. And when we look, uh, we practice uh, looking deeply into ourselves. 
we'll find out, we find the fact that we, the self, is made only of non-self elements. And this is something that our intellect can understand, not so difficult, not with uh, difficulties. It's like this flower. When you look into this flower deeply, looking deeply means meditation. We find out that the flower is made only of non-flower elements, like uh, the cloud. There's a cloud in the flower. If there is no cloud, no flower can grow. And if I am capable of taking, removing the cloud from the flower, the flower cannot continue. And then there is the sunshine. And we know that without the sunshine, no flower can grow. And if we remove the sunshine from the, from the flower, the flower can no longer continue. And there are a lot of things like uh, the minerals, uh, the rain, the uh, gardener, time, space, everything in the cosmos. If we continue looking deeply, we see the whole cosmos in the flower. And these uh, elements like like, uh, cloud, sunshine, minerals are called non-flower elements. And we see without difficulties that a flower is made only of non-flower elements. And if we remove all these flowers elements, there's no flower left. So the same thing is true with me and with you. We are a kind of flower in the garden of humanity. Uh, You are Michelle, Uh, I am uh, Elizabeth, And uh, mission is made only of non-mission element. Elizabeth is made only of non-Elizabeth element. Looking into us, we see non-us element, like father, mother, ancestors, culture, food. And if we remove these non-us elements, there's nothing left. So we are made of non-us element. The self is made of non-self element. And our adult can understand that. And yet we still believe as if we are something separate. And that is why deep meditation is needed in order to remove that kind of notion. And we need uh, to practice samadhi, spin concentration, in order to, to get free from that notion. Standing, walking, breathing, Sitting, we have to look deeply to see the nature of no self in everything. In the Buddhist tradition, every time we want to bow to the Buddha, the people like to bow to the Buddha. Because the Buddha represents freedom, uh, loving kindness, beauty, and so on. So we 
we don't have much these elements in us. It, we feel that we, we are nothing. We don't have freedom, enlightenment, loving kindness, compassion. That is why we bow to Buddha in order to, to get some of, of these things from him. So everyone likes to bow to the Buddha. But uh, as a novice monk, I was uh, taught that before you bow, you have to meditate about non-self in order for the bowing to have an effect. And my teacher gave me the, the stance, the verse that I, I read and breathe in and out before I can bow to the Buddha. And the verse goes like this. The one who bows is me. And the one who is bowed to, that's the Buddha. They are both by nature empty of a separate self. And that is why communication is possible and deep. And if you have not seen that emptiness of self in you and in the Buddha, don't bow. Because if you bow like that, there will be no real communication. Standing in front of the Buddha, you say, My dear Buddha, you are empty of a separate self. You have no, ex- you have no independent existence. And I also, I am the one who bow in front, in, to you. I am also empty of a self. I do not have a separate existence. It means that in you, I see me, myself in you. And I also see you in me. Because I am made of non-me element, and you are a non-me element. And you, the Buddha, you are made also of non-Buddha element. That is why I am in you. So that is like the sunshine talking to the flower. Dear flower, don't think that you have a separate self. You are made of non-flower element. And me, sunshine, is in you. And if the sunshine see that, sees that, and talk like that, there is a good communication between the sunshine and the flower. And if the sunshine is only the sunshine, and if the flower is only the sun, the flower, there is no communication possible. So if the Buddha is only Buddha, and me, only me, no communication is possible. That is why the insight about no-self is very important. You have to see the, the nature of non-self in the Buddha. You have to see that the Buddha is made only of non-Buddha elements. And you have to see that you are made of non-you elements. And with that kind of insight, you can bow to the Buddha and you have real communication. Otherwise, communication is not possible. And that is the teaching of the Diamond Sutra. In the retreat we offer in, uh, in, uh, in Ireland, there are a lot of uh, Catholics attending. And uh, we also uh, share this practice with uh, uh, 
uh, almost uh, 800 uh, people coming to practice with us. We say that uh, when you bow to Jesus, you have to look deeply into, the, into Jesus and see his nature of interbeing. Jesus is made of non-Jesus element. And you who bow to Jesus, you are made of non-you element. And if you want to have a real communion with Jesus, you have to get that kind of insight of no self, of interbeing. Otherwise, there's no real communication between you and Jesus. And this language is Buddhist. It's difficult for uh, non-Buddhists to understand. But if we, we, we look into the Gospel, we can see that the teaching of no-self is there. The teaching of non-interbeing is there. Suppose when we read John 40, it is said that uh, one day, you see that I am in my Father. And you are in me, and I am in you. That is exactly the teaching of interbeing. Jesus is made of non-Jesus element. In him there is the element God. In him there is element man. One day you realize that I am in my Father. And I am in you, and you are in me. This is the Christian way of describing the nature of no-self, the nature of interbeing. And then Jesus always said, call himself the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of God, but he always remember that he is also the Son of Man. And that is why uh, our mind of discrimination uh, is a kind of uh, obstacle for communication, for real communication. When you pray, when you bow, you want true communication. And true communication is not possible with the insight of no-self, with the insight of interbeing. That is the teaching of, uh, of the Diamond Sutra. And our mind is uh, full of discrimination. Suppose we speak about suffering and happiness. We think happiness is something quite different from suffering. Happiness can, can exist without suffering. And suffering can exists without happiness. But we know that a flower cannot exist without uh, the sunshine. Without the sunshine, the flower cannot exist. And the flower cannot exist without the compost. The compost does not smell good. But if there is no compost, no flower can grow. In Plum Village, we grow lotus flowers. And we know very well that you cannot grow lotus on marble. You have to grow them on the mud. So without the mud, there is no lotus. 
So looking into the lotus flower, you see the mud that does not smell good. But without the mud, there is no lotus. And that is why suffering and happiness also have the the nature of no-self. Suffering is made only of non-suffering elements. And among these non-suffering elements, there is happiness. And happiness is made of non-happiness elements, including the element suffering. And suffering is made of non-suffering element, including happiness. And suffering plays a very important role in making happiness. If there is no suffering, there will be no happiness. And this is the teaching of no self. When you look at this uh, sheet of paper, you see this is the, the left, your left. <laughs> this is the right. And you, do you think that the left can, can, can be there without the right? Mr. Francois Holland can be there without Mr. Sarkozy. Without uh, Mr. Le Pen. If, you, if politically you are on the left, don't wish for the right to disappear altogether. Because if uh, the right disappear, you also disappear. So the right and the left, they inter-are. Without the left, there is no right. There's, if without the right, there is no left. The right leans on the left in order to be. The left leans on the right in order to be. They are not enemies. They are supporting each other. And you can see that the right, the right is in the left. And the left is in the right. The same thing is true with the mud and the lotus. The mud is in the lotus, and the lotus is in the mud. If you are a good uh, gardener, when you look at uh, a pond full of mud, and you say, well, there will be a, a lot of lotus growing up from here. So you look at the mud, and you see the lotus. And those of us who have uh, the power to look deeply, when we look at the flower, we see the compost. These flowers are beautiful, fresh, fragrant, but they are on their way to become uh, uh, the garbage, the compost. And if you don't meditate, you cannot see now, but ten, ten days ago you will see they will become a piece of garbage. You don't need to meditate. You need only to wait for a few weeks. So there is a strong connection between suffering and happiness. And therefore, we should remove our discrimination and look and try to look at suffering as something useful, necessary, 
with which you can you can make happiness. And that is why in the tradition we speak of the goodness of suffering. Goodness of suffering. Le bienfait de la souffrance. And that is how the Buddha began his teaching. He spoke about suffering. If we understand suffering, we will know how to make good use of suffering in order to make happiness. And that is why suffering is not only suffering, suffering is also happiness. Many of us in society, we don't like suffering. We don't want to be in touch with suffering. We have a tendency to seek for pleasure, We have the natural tendency to avoid suffering. That's our weakness. But the practice of the Buddha is uh, to try to go back to yourself in order to listen to your own suffering and to embrace your suffering deeply with the energy of mindfulness and concentration. If you practice mindful breathing, mindful walking, mindful sitting, you have enough that energy of mindfulness and concentration, and you are no longer fearful when you go home to yourself in order to recognize the suffering inside and try to embrace it tenderly and listen to it. This is the basic practice in Buddhism. You should not be afraid of suffering. You have to go home to yourself in order to to take care of your suffering. And suffering is the first noble truth proposed by the Buddha. If you do not understand the first noble truth, you cannot understand the second noble truth, the third and the fourth. The fourth noble truth is the path leading to the transformation of suffering. And the third is the transformation of suffering into happiness the making of uh, mud into lotus flower. And the second truth is the roots of suffering, how suffering is, is made. So when you embrace your suffering, whether it is despair or sorrow or craving or jealousy, and you listen deeply to it, you begin to understand the nature of your suffering. And this, uh, this, uh, this uh, meditation on suffering is very crucial. Because uh, looking deeply, meditating has only one purpose, to understand. To understand the origin of what is there. And what is there is suffering. And when you look deeply into suffering, you begin to understand why Suffering is there. 
if you don't practice, you believe that suffering has come to you from another person, from society. But if you look deeply into your own suffering, you see that your suffering is born very much from your own wrong perceptions. And we are subject to many wrong perceptions. The way we see things, we do not have the right view. We do not have the insight. We are full of wrong perceptions, and our suffering are born on the ground of these wrong perceptions. And we usually blame on the other person, on the other group of person, on our own suffering. So going home to ourselves in order to understand our own suffering help us to get the understanding of suffering. And understanding always brings about compassion. And compassion is something that can heal, that can transform. When compassion is born in your heart, you begin to suffer less. And that is why the nectar of compassion is something we should make, we should uh, allow to be born into our heart. And how? When you have, when you understand the suffering of another person, when you look at him or her, and if you see the suffering in him or in her, and if you understand how, why that person suffers, that understand of suffering in him or in her bring you compassion and you look at him or her with the eyes of compassion and you are not angry at him at her anymore you don't suffer when you look at him or her anymore because there is already compassion in yourself if there is compassion in yourself you suffer less right away And when you look at the other person, you don't suffer anymore because you are capable of seeing his, her suffering. And instead of trying to say something or do something to punish him, uh, you are motivated by the desire to do something or to say something to make him suffer less. And this is uh, the core of the practice. When you go home to yourself and touch your own suffering, you see the roots of that suffering. And you discover that your suffering is connected with the suffering of your parents. Yes, your parents have a suffering that they have not been able to transform. They make themselves suffer, they make each other suffer. And because they don't know how to transform them, they have transmitted them to you. And looking at your own suffering, you see the suffering of your parents and your ancestors. And you know that if you can transform that suffering in you, you have liberate your parents in you. Because your parents are non-you elements. Without them, there is no you. So when you get the liberation, your parents in you get the liberation, and your ancestors in you also 
get a liberation. So understanding suffering in ourselves can help us liberate ourselves, our parents, our ancestors, because we are the continuation of our ancestors. Our ancestors are still alive in every cell of our body. They are not dead. And then when we listen to our own suffering, we discover that our suffering reflects also the suffering of the other person and of the world. The suffering inside of us is connected to the suffering of the world. And that is why if we know how to connect with ourselves, to connect with our own suffering, we can connect with the suffering of the world. And we can help the energy of compassion to be born in us so that we will stop suffering. And with that energy of compassion, we can transform our life. We can help transform the world. And the practice is to generate compassion by understanding suffering. Suffering plays a very good role. If you try to run away from suffering, there is no future. There is no hope. And that is why we should not do like the majority of people in our time. They are very afraid of going home to themselves because they are afraid of touching the suffering inside. So they try to cover up the suffering by the way of consumption. There is a kind of vacuum, the kind of uh, suffering, loneliness, anger, and fear in us. And we don't want to, to get in touch. That's why we try to listen to the music. We turn on the television. We go to the internet. We take the car to go. And we go to the restaurant, we try, we try many ways in order to run away from our own suffering, to cover up the suffering inside. And that's the majority's um, attitude. So the way of the Buddha is the opposite. Don't try to run away from your own suffering. Don't try to cover up the suffering with consumption. to go home and take care of your suffering. And if you don't want to be overwhelmed by your suffering, there is the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, mindful sitting, to give you some energy of mindfulness and concentration so that you can go home without fear. And with that energy of mindfulness and and, um, concentration and insight, you can very well embrace your own suffering with tenderness and begin to understand and to allow the nectar of compassion to be born in your heart. The first noble truth is a holy truth because it helps us to connect with the other three uh, truths, including the truth about transformation and healing.
So suffering has a role to play, and we know we should know how to handle suffering in order to create happiness. That is why the idea that uh, paradise, the kingdom of God, is uh, a place where there is no suffering, that notion has to be re-examined. Your mind full of discrimination invent the paradise where there is no suffering. And the opposite of paradise is uh, the world in which we live. Only suffering. And our intention is to leave the world suffering behind and go to paradise. That is uh, the way we think. But if uh, we practice looking deeply, we see that uh, you cannot grow lotus on marble. Happiness is made of understanding and love. Understanding and love are lotus flowers. And lotus need the mud in order to grow. So understanding and love are lotus flowers that are grown on the ground of suffering. If there is no suffering, there is no understanding and love. You can define the kingdom of God as a place where there is understanding and love. I agree. But in order to fabricate, to generate understanding in love, you need materials, and that is, you need suffering. And that is why my idea of the kingdom of God is not a place where there is no suffering. If there is no suffering, there is no understanding and love either. Look at the suit of paper. If there is no no right, then the left cannot be there. The left has to be based on the right in order to manifest. So this is uh, the vision that is free from discrimination. The vision of interbeing. Happiness is made only of non-happiness element. Suffering is made of non-suffering element. Love. If you don't know how to handle, it becomes hate. And hate, if you know how to handle, it becomes love again. So both are organic. And that is why everything is possible. Therefore, we have, as practitioners, we should not be afraid of suffering. Like an organic gardener, we don't throw the garbage Away. We keep the garbage and make compost and to nourish uh, flowers and vegetables. You should not send your children to a place where there is no suffering. If there is no suffering, there is no way that your child can learn how to understand and to love. He cannot grow up as a, a good human being. Only when you are in touch with suffering that you can cultivate understanding. When you understand someone, you don't hate, you don't get angry at him anymore. And love is based on understanding.
If you cannot understand, you cannot love. If you don't understand the suffering and the difficulty of your partner, you cannot love him, love her, and make him or her happy. This is very plain. And that is why love is made of understanding. And understanding, first of all, is understanding of suffering. And you have to understand your own suffering first before you can understand his suffering or her suffering. And understanding suffering gives birth to compassion that has the power to heal and to transform. And that is the kind of... uh, of energy that we need the most in our world. We have to produce understanding and compassion because these two items can be found in a supermarket. They don't sell that. They sell only the things that can help us cover up the suffering. So the first notion is the notion of self, and we should remember that self is made of non-self elements. Lotus is made only of non-lotus element. Buddha is made only of non-Buddha element, and happiness is made only of non-happiness element. That is a super uh, meditation. The, the second notion is the second the notion of man. And science helps us to, 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 to understand how man appears on the planet Earth. We know that man is a species that appears very late in the history of life. There are millions and millions of species, and men come very late in the history of life. And man now is is uh, is uh, living in such a way that uh, that is uh, doing harm to other species, and that is why, with meditation, we can find out that man is made only of non-man element, namely minerals, vegetables, and animals. And if you remove the element of um, minerals, vegetables, and animals from us, there's nothing left. Man doesn't exist if uh, these uh, non-man element do not exist. And yet we are living in such a way that destroy the environment and cause many species to disappear every day. And one day, the species called man will disappear also. It is possible in just 100 years. If global warming continues, if we get six more degrees, and then there will be 
lot of uh, damage and uh, Homo sapiens can disappear also. And Mother Earth may have to, to, to need to, to wait uh, for 100 million years in order to, to recreate uh, uh, the species uh, man again. And that is why we have to look deeply to see that man is made of non-man elements. And therefore, in order to protect man, we have to protect non-man elements. And that is why the Diamond Sutra is considered to be the most ancient text on the teaching of deep ecology, the 2,500 years. Man is made of non-man elements. And now the third notion that the Diamond Sutra wants us to remove is the notion of living being. can translate living beings as mortals. Uh, we have discrimination between human beings, living beings, and God and Buddha. There is a discrimination between man and God. This is a discrimination between man and minerals, vegetable and animal. This is the discrimination between man and Buddha and God. And that is why you have to look into the Buddha and see the Buddha is made of non-Buddha elements. And you have to look into yourself and realize that you are made of non-you elements. And, um, and the element of holiness is in you. And this is very clear in John. One day you, you will see that I am in you and you are in me. One day, maybe today. You have to look into Jesus and you have to see you in Jesus. And you have to look into you to see Jesus in you. The element of uh, man is in Jesus. And the element of of holiness is in you. Because you are made of non-you elements. And the Buddha, Jesus, are made of non-Buddha, non-Jesus elements. And therefore, there should be no discrimination between man, humans, and Buddha, humans, and Jesus, and God. 
if uh, you think that uh, Jesus is only Jesus and you are only you, there's no communication possible. If you think that the Buddha is only Buddha and you are only you, there's no communication possible. You have to see your Buddha nature and you have to see the man nature in the Buddha. That is very important. They wrote a book on the life of the Buddha, all path like that, with the purpose of showing that the Buddha is a human being. You should not make the Buddha into a god. Because if the Buddha is a god, you cannot connect to him. If you see the Buddha as a human being, and you say, well, he has done that as a human being. And if he can do that, I can also do that. So your relationship between you and Buddha is easier and possible. And the same thing should be true with man and Jesus. If Jesus is only God, you cannot connect with him. Happily, Jesus told us that he is also man, the son of man, the son of God. And that is why you have the hope of connecting with Jesus. And that is why this insight is very crucial for true communication, true communion. Even when you celebrate the Eucharistic, and you try to bring Jesus into you by eating that piece of bread. But if you do not have the insight of interbeing, well, the, the, the ritual cannot, uh, can, can, cannot really uh, bring about true communion. True communion is possible only with the insight of interbeing, with the insight of no-self, with the absence of discrimination, discrimination between you and Buddha, discrimination between you and Jesus. That is the teaching of Diamond Sutra. Revolution. And the fourth uh, idea that we entertain is that you are born on such and such a day and you die on such and such a day that notion should be removed. You have never been born, and you will never die. You are like the Buddha, you are like Jesus. You cannot die. Look at a cloud in the sky. Do you think that a cloud can die? No, a cloud can never die. And you ask the Murk Because to die in our discriminative mind is to become nothing. From something, you become nothing. From someone, you become no one. That is our idea of dying. But a cloud cannot become nothing. A cloud can become snow or rain. Listen to the rain. They agree with us.
Look at the cloud in my cup. This is a cloud. Yesterday it was a cloud floating in the sky. Today it become tea. And the nature of a cloud is the nature of no dying, non-dying. Before the cloud appeared in the sky, it had been something else. It had been the ocean water. It had been the heat generated by the sun. So uh, we cannot speak of the birth or the beginning of a cloud. A cloud has not come from nothing. And to be born, what does it mean? In our mind, we think that to be born is from nothing, you suddenly become something. From no one, you suddenly become someone. And they give you a certificate, birth certificate. I certify this, this person is born on such or such a day. But if we look deeply, we said before that date, we already exist in the womb of a mother. We stay there in the womb of a mother for at least nine months. So we have to push the date of birth back to the moment of conception. And the moment of conception is closer to the truth. But uh, the moment of conception is not the beginning. Because before that moment, we are already there, half in our father and half in our mother. So we have not come from nothing. Our nature is nature of no birth and no death. So to think that there is one point in time called the point of birth, and there is another point in time called the point of death, is a wrong perception. So to call Jesus, our God, our Buddha, immortals, and to call us mortals is a wrong idea. That's discrimination. Look at the cloud. The nature of a cloud is nature of no birth and no death. And that is also our nature, the nature of everything. And scientists like Lavoisier, he said, Rien ne se crée, rien ne se perd. Tout se transforme. Nothing is born, nothing dies. Everything is changing. The cloud cannot die. It can change into snow or, or rain or grill. But, uh, but uh, it cannot pass from the realm of being into the realm of non-being. To be or not to be, that is no longer the question. So this is uh, the meditation proposed by the Diamond Sutra. And this is a kind of uh, concentration, samadhi, that during your daily life, eating, walking, uh, cooking, uh, Sitting, you have to maintain 
that inside alive, that inside of interbeing alive, so that you can be free from discrimination, because discrimination is the ground of all suffering. When we look into ourselves and we see that we are a river, we are a, a, a stream, and we carry all our ancestors, our parents, in us, we are free from the notion of a self. And every time you smile, your parents smile, and your ancestors smile. And it's very good that you smile, because the world will be more beautiful when you are able to smile. And when you walk like this, touching the beautiful planet with your feet, cherishing, appreciating Mother Earth, but you bring a lot of joy to you and to the Earth, and that makes us hopeful. Because if we know how to live each moment of our daily life like this, transformation, transformation and healing will be possible for the world. And we should not look for happiness in the direction of uh, money, fame, power, and sex. We should know that these elements, these objects of craving, bring a lot of suffering. And we should try to wake up. And we know that happiness is possible in the here and the now if we have that kind of uh, insight of interbeing. With that insight of interbeing in us, we cross to the other shore, the shore of non-discrimination, the shore of no birth and no death, the shore of uh, non-discrimination, and happiness becomes possible right away. Happiness is possible with every in-breath, every out-breath, every step you make, every mouthful of breakfast that you eat. And that is why learning how to breathe, learning how to eat, learning how to walk, learning how to sit in mindfulness is the way.